It's really nice to be able to have an incredible screen in back of me and a wonderful congregation in front of me. And uh, I'll be talking today about Cornelius and Peter, outsiders, welcome inside. Um, I can find it, I have a confession to make. It's much easier for me to get on the phone and talk to somebody like Amir across the world than it is to talk to my neighbor who is basically a homeless person who happens to have a home. The emotional challenges that I have, the distance, the physical distance isn't a problem. The guy looks like me, even has a beard, a little bit longer than Doug's there, and uh, it's, it's more bushy. But uh, for, for me to reach out to him is more difficult than it is to talk to this guy that I'm on in John chapter 18 with studying about Jesus. It's, it's so much fun for me because I've spent most of my life there. So for me, it's the reverse culture shock, not the culture shock. And also uh, dealing with social separation. I, I never knew it, but I'm in the middle class. I thought I was... a person who was living in a foreign country, but I'm in the middle class, or maybe even the upper middle class, and this guy next to me is in a different class, and he has all sorts of struggles. See, a few weeks ago, he, uh, he didn't even know my name after a few years of visiting, bumping into him when we'd come and go from, uh, from Fremont, um, from Hayward. We live in Hayward, and, and it was, finally he says, you know, I don't even know your name. And I thought, man, that's crazy. I, I know his name, and I'm sort of avoiding him. He's talk, my wife has no problem. She's willing to talk to him, and that's fine, and I'm happy. But I just felt like, I don't know if I want to talk to this guy. But there was something else going on at the same time. You know, that sweet voice of the Holy Spirit. He was saying, Steve, you need to spend time with this guy. Steve, uh, maybe you want to study the Bible with this guy. And it was going on in the back of my head. I can talk with somebody from the other part of the planet on, the, on, on Zoom or on the phone easily about the Bible and learn truths and, and, and get excited about what's written in there. But to go right next door... <laughs> was harder for me. And then uh, one day an ambulance came and, and came, took him away. And I thought, oh man, I've just obeyed, disobeyed the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's gonna, he, what's, why is he going to the hospital? And, and then I went and visited him and found out it wasn't a major issue. And then a few days later, he came in the middle, in the evening, he was calling, Steve, Steve, Steve. And I thought, oh, I think that's the Steve that lives in his car on his driveway, not me. But he kept calling. <laughs> and I thought, oh, do I? Okay, I'll go. <laughs> so I went, and he had drunk a little too much, and he couldn't drive his little cart because he lost his, lost his, car, his key on the ground, and he couldn't see it. 
So I had my handy phone and found it for him. And then I helped him back into the back of the yard and then walked him with his cart so he could drive it. And then I walked him up into the front and into his house. And he became much more human to me then in his vulnerability, in his pain. And he said, thank you so much, Steve. Thank you so much. What do you like? What do you want? I have some really good roses. Your wife can come and cut some of the cuttings off the roses. And then I thought, oh, this person is a person, not an object that I don't want to spend time with. That's my confession. And uh, I just called him up yesterday. It took me a little while after getting back from Maine and spending some wonderful time there. By the way, Happy New Year. Cornelius and Peter, they looked very different. Um, oh, I, I have the control right here. I'm really good. This is sort of a picture of how maybe how the two of them looked. Maybe. That's just a guess. Uh, and some of, the, some of us might relate a lot more to the guy on the right because he has cool armor and everything like that. And he almost looks like he's an action figure. That possibly could be somebody like Centurion. What, what, when you hear the word centurion, Cornelius the centurion, what do you think of centurion? What is, what's a word in English that relates to that? Tell me, huh? Century. Yeah, pardon? Soldier, yeah, soldier, one century. The, a centurion soldier was in charge of 100 soldiers and all the people behind that soldier you know, who uh, supported that soldier. And let me just go into the scripture that, um, uh, oh, let's see. Oh, man, even with my small script, it, you can read it. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> I put a tiny script on here, and now it, blah, I'm going to turn this way and read it to you. At Caesarea, Caesarea is on the coast of the Mediterranean on the west, east coast, north of uh, most of Israel, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was called the Italian regiment. He and all his household were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to the people and prayed to God regularly. One day in about the ninth hour, that's about 3 p.m., he had a clear vision of an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear and asked him, what is it, Lord? The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa, 40 miles away, uh, to call for a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Then the angel, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among his attendants, he explained what, he had, uh, what had happened and sent them to Joppa. The, the block thing is blocking some of my reading, but I hope you can see it. Anyway, whew, Cornelius was very close to God, wasn't he? He was really working at doing good. And he was really trying hard to get more and more aware of the God of the Jews. He wasn't what they call a proselyte. He was a 
getting close. And he worshipped probably a mix of Roman stuff, but then also he also was influenced very deeply by the Jews because Caesarea was a Jewish city. And he saw their devoutness. And you know what it's like when you're someone who really tries hard to do good and you're really working at it and you really want it to go well and you're really seeking God but there's a load. Every time you get close, you think you're getting closer to God and you're seeking God more, the sins that you have committed come onto, into your mind and you say, I just can't get rid of that. No matter what I do, no matter what I do, I really want to be good. I really want to help. I am helping. I am doing good. I am praying. I am calling out to God. How can I get to God? How can I be with God? And here he is. Now, I kind of think, and I need some help here, I kind of think Cornelius, because he was in a Jewish city, he had slaves probably from that city. He, those slaves might have even been Jews, and I think they probably were. Because of a little bit later, you'll read, we'll, we'll read something. And that, here he is with Jews in his household helping out, and maybe even that devout soldier, because not only were there a hundred centurions, a uh, hundred soldiers under a centurion, there were also hangers on. So it could be he was in charge of like 400, 500 people. And uh, they were from the local population. So this, the, the core was Roman, but the uh, additional people were from there. So it's very, very, very possible that these three might have been Jews. And there's a reason a little bit later in the text that maybe helps enlighten that. And so, have you ever been talked to by an angel? Nope. Have you ever uh, heard a voice from God? <laughs> I kind of have. I think that Holy Spirit nudge to get near to my neighbor was not from me, it was from the Holy Spirit. But it was very subtle, and I could smash it, I could crush it, and I could go make excuses against it. But this is a pretty direct thing, and it's a very, very supportive thing, very loving thing, very gracious thing. And as you know, uh, as we've read in, in the New Testament, I mean in the Gospels, Centurions were very powerful, and they could, do, they could order people to go places. So the angel knew that, and he knew that Cornelius couldn't leave his post. So he says, send some of your people. So he does. He sends them, and it was 40 miles. Ken, I need your help. How long does it take to walk 40 miles? Huh? couple of days. Guess what? It was four days between getting there and getting back. You're good. <laughs> you know, I, I, do you know anything about walking? <laughs> and is there a club in, in this uh, congregation where you go walking? 
Yeah, you do that. Okay, good. Oh, good. Yeah, so these guys were sent by him. Boom, they run off. They go off. And this is, I like uh, the topic of the, what was it, the diaper diva? <laughs> uh, because the next part is talking about what's clean and what's unclean. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, Matt, would you mind just coming up and reading this section for me? Because right, he can see it all. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah, the next day at about the sixth hour, which is noon, as the men were approaching the city on their journey, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth, as well as birds of the air. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter answered. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and all at once the sheet was taken back up into heaven. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> he's hungry. He's praying. And he's asking. <laughs> he's saying no. To the Lord. <laughs> How many times have you and I done that? No, Lord, that's, this isn't going to work. And <laughs> I can kind of think he's thinking, what's all this about? What is this about? Do I need to order snake and rat <laughs> for lunch? <laughs> he just doesn't understand what's going on. It's, it's, and Three times, three times, I mean, what's going on? Three times. I guess there was something in his thinking that was pretty hard to overcome. It was really hard to overcome. It was like piles and piles and piles and piles of dirt on a good truth. And that he needed to be hit three times with this message before it came through. Because his understanding, his worldview was just being flipped over. And his worldview, sadly, was wrong, was broken, was hurt, was not right. So, what am I gonna do? Should I order rat? Should I order pork? Should I order, tell the people for lunch that I don't want to eat any of this kosher stuff, but I need to eat? It's, it's, this is a tough moment for him. And I think there are tough moments in our lives too, where God is saying to us, there's something you need to change in the way you think and live and how your life is operating. Cornelius, in one way, was closer in his, understand, his desire to go after God than Peter, maybe. Except both of them were praying. Both of them were praying. Well, let's go on to the next section. Okay, somebody from over here. 
Could you, Lorelei, come and read this section for me and help me? So remember, he's thinking, do I need to order a rat or what? <laughs> While Peter was puzzling over the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house and approached the gate. They called out to ask if Simon called Peter was staying there. As Peter continued to reflect on the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs and accompany them without hesitation, because I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, Here I am, the one you are looking for. Why have you come? Cornelius the centurion has sent us, they said. He is a righteous and God-fearing man with a good reputation among the whole Jewish nation. A holy angel instructed him to request your presence in his home so he could hear a message from you. So Peter invited them in as his, his guests. And the next day, he got ready and went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. So, wow. Oh, I don't have to order rat. <laughs> now I know what it's about. Three plus three equals no rats. Equals going 40 miles to meet Cornelius. And this is where I think this clue about... Um, when he met the guys, he, 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 he let them into his own house. This is a Jew. And Jews at this time were not letting non-Jews into their house. This is, but he did. He said, come on in, and we'll go there. And then he, uh, and the next day, 40 miles back, 40 miles back. And... Uh, He's still wondering, I'm sure, that 40-mile walk was a, probably a very, very uh, strange thing for him. That was a long distance. That was a, that was a long trek to go. And the people who brought him, they will have done 40, 80 miles. That whole issue was so clear that Finally, the puzzle pieces started to come together. Oh, this is about people. This is about somebody named Cornelius. This is about talking to him. And it's starting to go in his mind. And just like my neighbor, this is about making a friend with him, talking to him, spending time with him. The puzzle is starting to fit. Let's go on. Okay, another, another Harden. Could you come up? <laughs> the following day, he arrived in Caesarea, how do you say it? Yep, that's good. <laughs> Where Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was about to enter, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet to worship him. But Peter helped him up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. As Peter talked with him, 
he went inside and found many people gathered together. He said to them, you know <clears throat> how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with a foreigner or visit, or visit him, but God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was invited, I came without objection. I asked then, why have you sent for me? Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this, the ninth hour. Suddenly a man in radiant clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been reminded have been reminded before God. Therefore, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you were enough to come, kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has instructed you to tell us. Woo! That's a per lot of reading. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's amazing that P Peter realizes that he has had a way of viewing other people that is totally wrong. And God finally opened, him, opened his mind up. But this isn't an old thing. This isn't a new thing for God. In Genesis, he tells Abraham, you will be the, you will, all nations will be blessed through you. When Jesus was in the temple, he was overthrowing all the uh, tables and casting out all the animals. Where, he, where, where was he throwing it out of? The court of the Gentiles. Gentiles were supposed to be, that, that was a huge place. It was huge, it was much bigger than the temple itself, surrounding all of the temple. Lots of room. Does that sound like God? He has lots of room. It's huge. The court of the Gentiles is a huge place. It's a place where many, many, many people can come in. What a, that's, God says, welcome home. Jews said, we're the chosen people and you're not welcome. But God said, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And you, can you just sense the dirt has been pulled off of all of the thinking that, that Peter had. It's being ripped out. It's being bulldozed away. And finally he's realizing Gentiles can be acceptable to God. I can tell them. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that uh, question, and then, he, then Peter just, it's really good. This is a very good question. What, what, did you, what do you want to hear from me? What do you need? And very directly, very directly, Cornelius says exactly what um, God wants Peter to do. And, oh, just a minute, just a minute. Peter, at the beginning, he says, don't bow to me. I'm only a man just like you. Even that saying had a double meaning. The first meaning was, Cornelius, you are a man and so am I. Uh, you don't, you're not, I'm not a god. I'm not a god. I'm not your 
one of your pantheon. And then Peter is saying, you're a human being. You belong in the creation of God in a special place. He's starting, the gears are starting to turn. And we have no right as people to treat any human being as someone, something less than a human being. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking to God. One of the things that, that I like to try and think is whenever I'm face to face with somebody or with a group of people, that's holy ground. There's something that can happen in that space with those people that is going to be amazing. Can I, am I ready for it or am I holding back? And I, like I said, I was holding back with my dear friend Mark, next door neighbor. So tell us, tell us what God wants you to tell us. And he, he just brought a few of his friends only a few, and Peter saw it was many, many people. Now, with a centurion, he's got his slaves, he's got his family members, he's got his shops underneath his house, he's got soldiers that are his friends, that are his colleagues, all of these people, they're all together, and this man had so much influence in fearing God that they were all there. I mean, telling him the vision might have helped, but his... His life of being open to God was already there. And he was ready to hear. And now, he, Peter, he says to Peter, tell me what God tells you, told you to tell me. <laughs> so part of Peter might have wanted to put some duct tape on his mouth and say, nope, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. But, uh, okay, I need another helper. I'm going to go to the next, chap next section. Okay, oh, look, there's, ah, Ty, thank you. Good. Then Peter began to speak. I now truly understand that God does not show favoritism, but welcomes those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. He has sent this message to the people of Israel, proclaiming the gospel of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You yourselves know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee with the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of all that he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And, all, and although they put him to death by hanging him on a tree, God raised him up on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by the witnesses God had chosen beforehand, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Wow. Peter, his paradigm has totally shifted back to the original. The original is God wants to use his people to reach other people. God selected Israel to be the people to reach other people. 
And now he's using us, the people of Israel, to send a message to everyone that Jesus can take away sin. Jesus is the one who can, no matter how hard you try, you still can't get there, but as soon as you say, I can't do it, Jesus save me, bam, Woo! amazing. And this message, we've heard it many, many times, but sometimes when people hear it for the first time and they've been trying so hard to be good and they're not, then they know they're not. The more you try to be good, the no, you're not good. The people, we, when we are fooling ourselves, we say, oh, I'm good. I'm better than him. I'm better than her. I'm better than them. But when we really, really seek after God and we don't know Jesus and the way that he can free us into being who we were created to be, it's over. But it adds something to us as well, and that is, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. And in this situation, it's not an individualistic situation at all. It's Cornelius plus his whole gang of friends, many people. Woo, that's amazing. I, I, I can't grab, grab a hold of that. He's got a ton of people in his room, in his house, huge house, and he's got them all there. And he says, listen to this guy. This is the person who's going to tell us what we need to hear. Okay. Now I need one more. I think it's one more. Yeah. One more person to read. Come on, one of the old, oh, there's Matt again. Thank you. You're so quick. <laughs> While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard his message. All the circumcised believers who had accompanied Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and, and exalting God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water to baptize these people? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Whoa. And they asked him to stay for a few days. Amen. Wow. This... This is like the reverse of Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles could speak in languages that they didn't understand and the people understood. And in this situation, probably, I think, I'm not 100% I'm not sure, but I think what Cornelius and his friends who weren't Jews were doing were actually giving praises to God in languages that the Jews understood and they didn't understand. <laughs> And, and they're, wow, they're praising God, they're honoring God, they're giving him glory. This is what happens when the burden on your shoulders gets ripped off. And you know that there's somebody who's standing with you to give you life and set you free from all your burdens of sin. All the things that you couldn't do yourself, and I couldn't do myself. Now, um, 
when we understand that, when we sense that, when we feel that, we really want to give praise to God that he's done this amazing thing for us, incredible thing for us. We want to say, Jesus, you did it. You bring, you're bringing us home to where we really belong in heaven with you forever. The good deeds are great, but the great deed of salvation through Jesus, through you, is amazing. And just one last thing before we enter our time of communion. Angels didn't share this message. Even Jesus, as the risen Lord, didn't share this message with Cornelius. He entrusted Peter, a human being, to share this message. That's a pretty good thing to have on human being shoulders. You and I have the opportunity to share the greatest message that was ever given. That we can have reconciliation with God, we can live together with God, we can be part of God's family forever through the shed blood, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and the welcome home that he has for us because he's paid for all the things that we've done wrong. It's done, it's finished, it's over. No more finger pointing at ourselves or at anyone else. It's over, it's finished. We're the ones, I'm the one, you're the one, wow. It's entrusted to us. The angel only said, go and find that guy. Jesus said, go and tell those people. <laughs> and, you, and I think that I know that message is the same message that God is telling you and me. If we know the wonderful Savior, Jesus, we have the privilege and the opportunity to tell others. But before we do that, Find out what, where they are. Why did you want me to come here? Why am I here with you? What do I need to learn about you before I tell you about Jesus? Spend time doing that. And now, uh, we want to segue. Isn't it wonderful that they were worshiping and praising God? Now we get to segue into that, and we can share communion together. Uh, if you don't have any uh, of these, uh, please come and band. Thank you so much for coming forward. And uh, if you don't have any of these, please uh, raise your hand and the ushers will come and give you. Okay, just behind you, David. Now, what I'd like for us to do as, as the band is playing music if, uh, is to just spend a few moments quietly thanking the Lord for what he's done for you personally in your seats. Just tell him thank you. Praise him in whatever way you want. Jesus, thank you.
One verse that always sticks with me is, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. That was Jesus. He was so happy that he was going to be able to welcome us home. So he went to the cross.